Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. And as always, I'm going to welcome all of our usual faithful listeners, anyone who may be new. And I highly encourage those who are faithful listeners to invite others to listen to our program because many people today wonder, what is a Byzantine Catholic Church, as they often ask me when they meet me, or the fact that they might want to know more about the whole church, that there is another lung of the church, and that is the Eastern Lung, as John Paul II said, from which we get the name of this program, Light of the East. He wrote a document called Orientale Lumen, which means Light of the East. And in that document, he said that the whole Catholic Church needs to learn about the Eastern churches. Oftentimes, he would refer to the church as speaking, as breathing with both lungs, east and west. Well, we are the eastern lung of the church, and I bring to you the riches of the eastern lung of the church, but also in complement, in comparison to, along with the riches of the western lung of the church, more commonly known as, for the most part, the Latin Rite Church. But primarily, of course, we bring the riches of the eastern churches, so little known in the western world, but yet so vital and actually so relevant. And since many of you wonder where can I find out more about the Eastern churches or what is an Eastern church or what is the Eastern lung of the church, I'm going to give you four references. So get your pencils out. I'll give you a second here. Got to write these things down or put them in your phones, your iPods, iPads, or whatever. But here they go. First of all, coming right up. In fact, this is your last chance. The last Eastern Catholic Churches encounter, which has been going on throughout the country. That one's coming up. Thursday, November 1st through Sunday, November 4th. And that's going to be at the Hacienda Hotel at LAX Airport. Hacienda Hotel at LAX Airport. And the theme is Together in Christ. And basically, it's a call to the laity, an explanation of the role of the laity as Eastern Catholics in our world today. Many fine speakers at this conference, a lot of camaraderie, fellowship, just a great way to immerse yourself in the Eastern Catholic Churches. Get to see a cross-section of them because many of them are there being represented. That's why it's called the Encounter of the Eastern Catholic Churches. It's not just my church, the Byzantine Catholic Church, but it's the Chaldean Church and the Syrian Churches, the Maronite Church, and so on. To find out more information, go to Encounter 2012, easterncatholicchurches.org. Encounter 2012, easterncatholicchurches.org. And again, that's the Encounter, November 1st to the 4th. That's Thursday to Sunday. Hacienda Hotel at LAX Airport. Your last chance. Now, 
reference number two. And these are pocket references for you. Very, very handy. This one's called The Eastern Christians and Their Churches. Eastern Christians and Their Churches. It's written by a friend of mine, a Byzantine Catholic Jesuit priest named Father Stephen Hawksteeples, who taught in Rome, and I believe he's currently teaching here in America now. And this book is actually put out by the Knights of Columbus. And to get a copy of this book, all you have to do is go to the website K-O-F-C, kofc.org, kofc.org. It's the Knights of Columbus website. And they put out this book. It's, it's called The Eastern Christians and Their Churches by Father Stephen Hawksteeples, S.J., and what's really handy about this, it's, it's only a, it's a really pocket-sized, very small thing, only about 40 pages long, and it's very clear. It's a lot of the type of thing that you hear on this program here, all about the traditions of the church, their histories, their church buildings, their iconography, but very succinct, very clear to understand, and very, very handy. So, Eastern Christians and Their Churches by Father Stephen Hawksteeples, put up by the Knights of Columbus. That ought to be easy enough to remember. The Knights of Columbus. Their website, again, is K-O-F-C. KOFC.org. You know, it's impossible to take the wealth, you know, the ocean, the limitless ocean of wealth and riches of the Eastern churches, their Eastern spirituality, their history, and their liturgy, and to put it into one book. Oftentimes people ask me, where is the book I can read about the Eastern churches? Well, there's really no one book. However, there are some handy references such as this one. Like I said, it's very small, very pocket-sized, nice to read, very handy. It's a paperback, Eastern Christians and Their Churches. All right, now number three, and this is something that I am a part of. I'm a contributing writer to this. It's another nice pocket thing, just a little bit bigger than the palm of your hand, actually, or or your hand, about the size of my hand, actually. It's called Theosis, Theosis Publication, and it's just come out. It's called Theosis, Spiritual Reflections from the Christian East. It's essays by a number of contributing authors, of which I am one. What it does is it talks about the feast days and the saints of the month, because it comes out every month, the feast days, the saints, and also the history, the spirituality, and also the prayers, the relative prayers for the saints of those days. You see, in the Eastern churches, each day, there is at least one saint. Most of the time, there's more than one saint. Every day, every day of the calendar year. Now, sometimes the feast days of a particular saint get bumped. Uh, they're not, not eliminated, but bumped. In other words, they get shoved ahead or shoved back in place of what may be a great feast of Jesus Christ or the Mother of God. So if a feast lands, let's say a saint's feast lands on Christmas Day, well, obviously, Jesus' birth is going to take priority. But the saint still is not totally eliminated. It's basically then celebrated before or after. And what we do in the Eastern churches is we have these poetic theological verses that, of course, chanted, because everything's chanted in our church. Our prayer is our chant, or chant is our prayer. And they're called Troparian or Kentakian. There's other names, too, but the Eastern Divine Office and its liturgical worship is comprised largely of these poetic theological verses. I say poetic and theological because that's what they are. They're very poetic, but they also are communicating the theology, because in the Eastern churches, always remember that our theology is our prayer, is our chant, and our chant, our prayer, is our theology. So they're kind of like poetic theological exposés, and they're always relative to the feast day or the saint of that day. Just as an example, today, on this Sunday that you're listening, October 28th, today we celebrate, in addition, obviously, to the resurrection of our Lord, which takes priority, we have the saints, the martyrs, Terence and Neonila, and also the woman martyr, Periscavia. And so, in reference to them, we have this tropar, O Lord our God, your holy martyrs have deserved the crown of immortality on account of their good fight. Armed with their strength, they have vanquished their persecutors and crushed Satan's dreadful might. 
through their supplications, O Christ our God, save our souls. And then, this is the Kentuckian, and this is for the woman martyr, Periscavia. You poured out your blood like the finest wine for Christ your spouse. You pleased the angelic choirs in their songs and vanquished the devil. Because of this, O long-suffering Periscavia, we honor you in faith. Now, a brief verse, poetic and theological, but look how full it is, look how rich it is. You poured out your blood like the finest wine for Christ your spouse. Now, two things right there, very poetic, very illustrative, but also very theological, Christ your spouse. Now, this has a lot to say to womanhood and actually to all of us, whether we're men or women, that first and foremost, we are mystically the spouse of Christ. We are all the bride of Christ collectively as a creation, as human race, in particular, the church. But also that tells us about a relationship that a particularly a celibate woman or a vowed religious woman has with Christ. That's right, ladies. You get to be, in a very specific way, in a mystical way, the bride of Christ. And so we say of these women martyrs, these women saints, we often refer to them as being the spouse of Jesus Christ. Even though we all are, women have a particular gift or privilege, I should say, to be the mystical spouse of Christ in that very special way. So it's actually a very rich and telling and revealing phrase in that just that short phrase, for Christ your spouse. Then it says, you please the angelic choirs in their songs and vanquish the devil. Well, once again, we see something very rich here, that even the angels are aware of our prayer and of our witness, and we have a certain connection with them, that they can actually rejoice in our behavior and that our behavior can actually vanquish the devil. And therefore we say in the rest of the verse, because of this, O long-suffering Periscavia, we honor you in faith. So that's very typical of the Kentuckian Troparian verses that are used each day for the saint or the particular feast day of that day in the Eastern prayer, the Eastern divine office. And that's the kind of the type of thing that you'll see in this little book, Theosis, along with some very manageable. See, it's a very manageable book because the essays are short and it's put out by our good friend Jack Fiegel with Eastern Christian Publications. So you can get hold of this book by going to ecpubs.com. That's ecpubs.com. And you can order it online. You actually can order read it online or order it for yourself as a regular booklet, little nice little paperback. Again, just a little about the size of your hand. And what's also neat about this, and I'm going to be doing this too, I'm going to order these from Jack. I'm going to order a bunch of them. I'm going to make sure that all my religious education teachers get a copy, because that will help to continue to enrich their teaching and their work as they teach the younger people in our church. So they continue to be fortified, and it's very manageable, as I mentioned. They're brief essays, very informative, not too heavy, but They give you a great glimpse into the Eastern spirituality. And this book is called Theosis, which is also the name of the CD that my parish choir put out. You can hear on our website by going to byzantinecatholic.com. But this pamphlet is called Theosis, but it has a little byline there, Spiritual Reflections from the Christian East. And Theosis, of course, means that ongoing growth in their spiritual life to become like God. Now, not in his essence, not that we are like God, we're as powerful as God, but in other words, to grow more and more into the image and likeness of God, which, of course, is what the Scripture says about us. That's why we were created. That's the truth about the human person. And that process, that ongoing process of holiness, another way to put it, we call in the Eastern churches theosis. So you pick up this book, and it will actually help you in your process of becoming more and more the image and likeness of God. We're going to talk more about the Eastern lung of the church when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. 
Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Glory to Jesus Christ. My name is Deacon Michael Lee, and I would like to personally invite you to come and receive life. I am Father Thomas Loya, inviting you to discover life, unwrap, and explore John's gospel as a profound preparation for the nativity of Christ. Jesus, the Good Shepherd in the Gospel of St. John, says that he came to bring us life and that we might have that life abundantly. And while we're unwrapping John's gospel, we'll examine the themes of incarnation, personhood, the most holy trinity, faith, the holy mysteries, and our call to holiness to name a few. Find out for yourself. Join us Tuesday evenings beginning at 6.30 p.m. Eastern during the Phillips Fast, November 20th through December 18th at the Byzantine Catholic Cultural Center located at 2420 West 14th Street in Cleveland's historic Tremont neighborhood. Can't make it to the center? Watch the live streaming video online and email your questions or comments to be part of the conversation. Visit bizcathculturalcenter.org for complete details. You're listening to Father Thomas Lawyer on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's taborlife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. And I was going through four references. I got to actually three of the four. But in doing so, it was also hopefully giving you some good instruction on the Eastern churches by explaining these references. Again, the references are the upcoming encounter of the Eastern churches, the booklet, little pamphlet called, it's actually kind of a booklet or more than a pamphlet, it's kind of a little booklet, Eastern Christians and their churches and also the latest, the Theosis pamphlet, which has just come out. Actually, it's more like a booklet. Now, the fourth reference is one that's always there, easternchristianmedia.com, easternchristianmedia.com. Kind of a go-to center for a lot of things Eastern. So if you want to know where to go to learn more, those are four really handy, easy places. It's best to go to a number of places, actually, to learn about the Eastern churches, but these that I've mentioned are actually very handy. If you want kind of a one-stop shop kind of thing, nowadays we need things kind of succinct and, and kind of concise, but yet informative, I would say that these references are those types of sources, especially Eastern Christian media, because it's always there. Just go online and it'll link you to a lot of other sources as well. We're hearing a lot nowadays in the news, of course, about the Middle East. We're not hearing nearly enough, though, about the plight of the Christians in the Middle East. And of course, you do hear about that exclusively here on Light of the East. And the plight of the Eastern Christians in the Middle East, especially Eastern Catholics, was sufficiently serious enough for the Pope, our recent Pope, Benedict XVI, to make a visit 
And he visited the Middle East, and he wrote a very, very comprehensive statement to them. It was called the Post-Synodal Apostolic Exhortation, Ecclesia in Medio Oriente, of His Holiness Pope Benedict XVI to the patriarchs, bishops, clergy, consecrated persons, and the lay faithful on the church in the Middle East. Communion and witness. Communion and witness. That's kind of the theme. And he wrote this on the... Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross, which is a feast day that is celebrated by both lungs of the church, east and west, very big in the east, because, of course, the event occurred in the east, occurred in Jerusalem, September 14th. September 14th of this year is the date of this apostolic letter, this exhortation. And I'm going to share with you some highlights from it, because I know this is something you're not going to hear from most places and most sources, but it's something that's significant. First of all, to know that the eastern churches are in a very difficult way in the Middle East, the place where it all began. It's very, very sad, ironic. And you don't hear nearly enough about it, except, of course, in this program. But the Holy Father had lots to say to them. And in the beginning of his exhortation, he said this, the church in the Middle East, which from the dawn of Christian faith has made her pilgrim way in those holy lands, today courageously continues her witness, the fruit of a life of communion with God and neighbor. Communion and witness. And he put an exclamation mark there. Communion and witness. This was the conviction which occasioned the special assembly of the Synod of Bishops from the Middle East, which gathered around the successor of Peter from 10 to 24, October 2010, to discuss the theme, the Catholic Church and Middle East, communion and witness. And he quotes one of my favorite quotes from Scripture from Acts 4. Now the company of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Now the Pope goes on to say that the Catholic Church in the Middle East is aware that she will not be able to fully manifest this communion at the ecumenical and interreligious level, unless she has first revived it in herself, within each of her churches, and among all her members, patriarch, bishops, priests, religious, consecrated persons, and lay persons. Growth by individuals in life of faith and spiritual renewal within the church will lead to the fullness of the life of grace and theosis, parentheses, divinization. There's those words again, see? Theosis, divinization. The Pope used very, very fundamental Eastern theological words here. In this way, the church's witness will become all the more convincing. Now, according to Acts, the unity of believers was seen in the fact that they, quote, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and prayers. The unity of believers was thus nourished by the teaching of the apostles, the proclamation of God's word, to which they responded with unanimous faith, by fraternal communion, service of charity, by the breaking of the bread. And this is very significant, because what the Pope has done here, as he's speaking to the Eastern churches, is reminding him of the four basic aspects of the church, of her faith. It's to proclaim the word of God. It's to act in service, you know, in loving service, as Christ demonstrated when he washed the feet of his apostles, to be gathered in the Eucharist, the source and summit of our existence, and also to live the sacramental life. They have that sacramental worldview that we talk about here in Light of the East. He also says, and the common faith is practiced and made admirably evident in the diversity of its theological, spiritual, liturgical, and canonical expressions. Like my predecessors in the Sea of Peter, I wish here to state once more my desire to ensure that the rites of the Eastern churches, as the patrimony of the whole Church of Christ, in which shines forth the tradition coming down from the apostles through the fathers, and which in its variety affirms the divine unity of the Catholic faith, are observed and promoted conscientiously. I know it's a mouthful, but basically what he's saying there, he's affirming the fact that, let's face it, our faith started in the East. That's sort of like the womb, the mother, 
of the church is in the east. And so the whole church, east and west, always harkens back to the east, to the Middle East in particular, where it all started. In fact, during the Second Vatican Council, many of the theological developments that happened in the Second Vatican Council, and I'm talking about the legitimate developments. Many people have a kind of a misread on the Second Vatican Council, or they blame it for a lot of things that really weren't right. But the Second Vatican Council, what it really said, what it, it tried to do, its legitimate development, came about as a result of kind of touching base back to the motherland. In other words, to the womb of Christianity, to the Eastern churches. They were kind of used as the sort of the the source. Like, okay, let's say, what did they do in the East? Let's go back to the source. What do they still do in the East? In fact, the presence of the Eastern churches, both Eastern Catholic and the Orthodox were there as observers, was a great influence upon what later became the official documents of the Second Vatican Council, which were meant for the whole church, East and West, but primarily for the developments in the Latin Rite. Now, again, I'm talking about the actual documents. That's a good thing to read, by the way. Read the documents of the Second Vatican Council. Don't just hear people talk about it, especially talking disparagingly about it. Actually read what it says. Well, those documents, if you look at them closely, you'll hear that echo of the East in those documents. Because again, that's the home base, the touchstone. So if you want to stay on track with any kind of development in the church, they always look back to the East. Now, the Pope also continues and says, I likewise assure my Latin brothers and sisters of my affection and my concern for their needs and necessities in accordance with the commandment of charity, which presides over all and the norms of law. Well, we too here in the light of the East also extend our affection and concern for our Latin right brothers and sisters listening to our program, but also as well in the Middle East. It's tough on them too. Tougher on the Eastern Catholic churches there, but also tough on the Latin Rite church as well. Now, the Pope also says, in fact, throughout this document, he has he addresses different segments, different issues. He kind of breaks it right down. He's going to talk about the laity. He's going to talk about priests. He's going to talk about faith. He's going to talk about different issues. So what I'll do is, from time to time in our programs, is I will bring this document, because it is fairly lengthy, but it's very rich. I'll bring this document to you, some of the highlights of it, as I'm doing today, because it's not something you're going to get somewhere else. And I want you to know, it's important to know, that the Pope is concerned about the Eastern churches, their plight in their homelands in the Middle East. And also, it'll give you insight into the Eastern churches and how the, the beautiful relationship can happen between a Pope who is, in an essence, a Latin Rite Pope, but at the same time the Universal Pontiff, and his very fatherly concern and his sort of shepherding of even the Eastern churches. Now, in regard to Scripture, the Pope had said this, For the sacred Scriptures, peace is not simply a pact or a treaty which ensures a tranquil life, nor can its definition be reduced to the mere absence of war. According to its Hebrew etymology, peace means being complete and intact, restored to wholeness, is the state of those who live in harmony with God and with themselves and with others and with nature. Before appearing outwardly, peace is interior. It is blessing. It is the yearning for a reality. Peace is something so desirable that it has become a greeting in the Middle East. That's not beautiful words, beautiful insight. Oftentimes people will talk to me about peace, and I'll talk to them about trying to acquire Christ's peace. And I know today in our day and age, we have a problem with understanding really the, the true deep nuanced meaning of words. It's very important to understand words. And as the Pope is saying here, this word peace is very, very rich and very, it's very vital, very important to understand what it really means. It doesn't mean just like, oh, well, things are kind of quiet. Things are peaceful. There's not much noise, not much going on, not much chaos. It has to do with a deep interior disposition of the heart. 
where everything is in harmony. In fact, John Paul II used to refer to this peace in his Theology of the Body when he talked about Adam and Eve, and they saw each other in all of creation sacramentally, you know, before the fall, and he called this the peace of the interior gaze. We're going to talk more about this peace and about more of what the Holy Father said to his beloved Eastern churches on subsequent programs. But I do like to thank you for listening to this program. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again, hear it again, hear it again, hear it again. For the first time. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years.